0: All right, get your Bibles and turn to Matthew chapter 12. As you're doing that, let's make our declaration. This is my Bible. Bible. It is living word of God. It contains many many great and precious promises promises for me. me. I am who the Bible says I am. I I I have what the the Bible says I have. I can do what the Bible says I can do. I will study the Word and live according to it because the living Word of God is at work in me. Amen. Father, bless your Word today as we study together and learn together and we give you praise in the name of Jesus. Let me give you some understanding about why we're in this particular chapter. We're going to be here for the next three weeks. Uh, on this particular course of discussion. Um, Several weeks ago now, a couple weeks ago, uh, Pastor Robert Rabat was here from uh, Freedom House in Santa Cruz and uh, used in great ministry of deliverance, and he talked to the people of God about how to be set free from the things that bind you. And many of you responded to that opportunity for ministry, that wonderful Sunday night, and many wonderful things have happened. We're receiving reports of folks that were healed and, and folks that were set free of some things that were kind of bondage to them and hounding them a little bit. And, and all of that. And then last Sunday was Father's Day, and the Lord gave a word last Sunday regarding that we have a mandate from God—a mandate to be people of character, to be men of of, of character, to be men of, uh, of of anointing, and 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 all of that. You remember that message? If you didn't, go to the website; it's there. And uh, consecration, compassion—that that we uh, had a call from God for those things. And men, and the men of this church—I'm so proud of the men of this house as you responded to the challenge that the Lord gave us on Father's Day. And so the Lord has dealt with my heart that over the next three weeks, we're going to talk about how to maintain spiritual freedom. It's one thing. How many understand? Man, I wish I knew what was going on with my voice. Can you all listen to a squeaky pastor? How many understand that it is one thing to receive freedom, and it's another thing entirely to maintain it. It's like getting a little dose of joy. It's, it's one thing to come to the house of the Lord, get into worship, and get full of joy. It's another thing entirely to walk in joy. So you can receive freedom from the attack of the enemy and from the onslaught of the enemy or from oppression or possession or any of those other number of things that the enemy would like to do to you, depression. You can receive freedom from, from sickness and illness and all that. But it's, it's one thing to receive freedom, uh, to receive your freedom. It's another thing entirely to walk in it and maintain it. And so uh, as we move toward what God is doing in this house— and what he is framing in this place for the ministry and the assignments that are ahead of us, it is vitally important that we, as a people of God, maintain our freedom. Whom the Son has made free is free indeed. And I really believe that we're going to get into eternity and there's going to be a vast many of the people of God who are going to stand before him and they're going to realize that they walked in restriction. That's the reason I want you to be free. I don't want anybody to be restricted. From the blessing of the Lord in their life, I don't want to be anybody. Don't want anybody to be restricted from uh, the move of God in their life. I don't want anybody to be restricted from the ministry opportunity in their life. There's there's people around you that are entirely dependent upon you obeying God in their life. I don't want you to be restricted in that in that regard. I don't want you to be restricted by fear and afraid to go lay hands on someone that's sick, or in trouble and go encourage them Mm -hmm. i don't don't want you to be restricted how many how many have ever felt that when you see someone in trouble and you think oh i really should encourage them and you just you feel this right here and you you feel like you can't get the word out Mm -hmm. and that comes up and it grabs your throat and you swallow hard and you just cannot i don't want you to be restricted that's a restriction We aren't walking in restriction, and we're not, the Bible says, we are not among those who shrink back. So, not being among those who shrink back, we're going to go into this passage of scripture. I want to read the entire passage, and then uh, Matthew chapter 12 from verse 22 all the way through the end, uh, verse 45, and then we'll come back, and we will pull some things out of there for today, and then next week we'll go on, all right? So, uh, Matthew chapter 12, verse 22. Then was brought to him one possessed with a devil, blind and dumb, and he healed him, insomuch that the blind and the dumb both spake and saw. And all the people were amazed and said, Is not this the son of David? In other words, isn't he just one of us? That's what they were saying. Isn't he just one of us? But the Pharisees heard it, and they said, This fellow casts out devils by Beelzebub, the prince of devils. This, this, this guy's casting out devils by the power of the, the leader of all the devils. That's what he said. And Jesus knew their thoughts, and he said to them, A kingdom divided against itself is brought to desolation, and every city or house divided against itself will not stand. And if Satan casts out Satan, he is divided against himself. How then shall his kingdom stand? And if by Beelzebub cast out, I, I cast out devils, by whom do your children cast them out? In other words, the other people that you know that have the authority in their life to cast out devils, how are they casting? If I'm casting them out by Beelzebub, how are they casting them out? He was really getting in their face and saying, exactly what are you saying here? Right? Therefore, he said, they shall be your judges. But if I cast out devils by the Spirit of God, then the kingdom of God is coming to you. Or else, how can one enter into a strong man's house, spoil his goods, except he first bind the strong man, and then he will spoil his house? And then he said, he that is not with me is against me. He that gathers not with me scatters. Wherefore I say unto you, all manner of sin and blasphemy shall be forgiven of men, but the blasphemy against the Holy Ghost will not be forgiven of men. And whoever speaks a word against the Son of Man, it'll be forgiven him, but whoever speaks against the Holy Ghost, it will not be forgiven him, neither in this world nor in the world to come. So what he's saying is, be careful here "...because it's not me that's doing this, it is the Spirit of God that you are speaking against." That's what he was telling them, good little spanking. So he said in verse 33, "...either make the tree good and its fruit good, or else make the tree corrupt and its fruit corrupt. For the tree is known by its fruit. O generation of vipers, how can you, being evil, speak good things? For out of the abundance of the heart the mouth speaks." A good man, out of the good treasure of the heart, brings forth good things, and an evil man, out of the evil treasure, brings forth evil things. But I say unto you, let every idle word that men shall speak, that they shall give an account therefore in the day of judgment. For by your words you are justified, and by your words you are condemned. Somebody ought to underline that. That might be something you want to memorize. For certain of the scribes and of the Pharisees answered, saying, Master, we would see a sign from you. And he answered and said unto them, An evil and adulterous generation seeks after a sign, and no sign is given to it but the sign of the prophet Jonah. For as Jonah was three days and three nights in the whale's belly, so shall the Son of Man be three days and three nights in the heart of the earth. The men of Nineveh will rise in judgment with this generation and will condemn it, because they repented at the preaching of Jonah. And behold, a greater than Jonah is here. The queen of the south will rise up in the judgment with this generation and shall condemn it, for she came from the uttermost parts of the earth to hear Solomon's wisdom, and behold, a greater than Solomon is here. So he's saying, Nineveh repented when Jonah preached and the queen of the south that came to visit with Solomon to hear his wisdom is also going to say, what's wrong with you people? As that's what he was saying to them because they weren't listening and receiving his instruction. So in verse 43, he says, when an unclean spirit is gone out of a man, he walks through dry places seeking rest and finds none. And then he says, I'll return to my house from whence I came out. And when he has come, he finds it empty, swept, and garnished. Then he goes, and he takes with him seven other spirits more wicked than himself, and they enter in and dwell there. And the last state of that man is worse than the first. Even so shall it be also unto this wicked generation. So he was dealing with a group of people, and he was telling them that the the, The latter state of your situation is going to be worse than the previous state because you've had an opportunity to be free. Some of you have been set free, but you didn't maintain your freedom. So I I want to talk to you this morning about maintaining your freedom. And it was important that we read all of that because there's much in there that I want to draw out from it and that we would understand uh, from this passage of Scripture. All of those things that he was saying about deliverance and about casting out of demons and about setting people free and all that, from the beginning to the end, he did not in any place change the subject. Sometimes it sounds like the Lord talks in big circles, and he comes back around and he gets back to what he was talking about, but he was, he was not changing the subject, so bear with me there. All right, I want you to look at verse 22. I want you to go back up to the top. It was interesting to me, did you, did you hear in there where the Pharisees were talking to him and they said, show us a sign? Yes, yes. But it says in the beginning of the passage that he had just healed a guy who was possessed of devils, couldn't <laughs> speak or couldn't see. And now, stated, no, go ahead, preach. now, that's pretty phenomenal in my way of thinking that you can see someone healed, set free, delivered, their eyes are open, they've never been able to speak before, and now they're rambling on, and they can speak. And then those same people who just witnessed this great event said, show us a sign that you're, re- that you're really from God. Well, I do want to caution you that signs and wonders are not the uh, tell-all for whether it is the Spirit of God. Sometimes the enemy will... Counterfeit, just so you think you've received from the Lord and send you on in, in deception. So, so truly, as much as that is a wonderful sign and a wonderful event and someone is set free, it is important for us to understand that there are some deeper elements to, what, uh, to, to maintaining our freedom and to understand where God is moving. So let's look at this for a few minutes. We only have a few minutes. Uh, chapter 22, uh, or chapter 12 and verse 22, he said, uh, they brought unto him this one that was possessed with the devil, uh, blinded dumb. healed him, insomuch that the blind and the dumb both spake and saw, and the people were amazed. And then they began to say amongst themselves, he's doing this by the power of Satan. And so he pointed out to them, and I want to point out to you, that whenever God gives you your freedom, when He sets you free, when He causes the enemy to get off of your back and to leave you, how many understand? Remember the temptation of Jesus. If you if you've not uh, if you're not familiar with your. With, with scripture, I'll, I'll just share briefly. But the Bible says that Jesus was led into the desert. He fasted 40 days and 40 nights, and there he was tempted of the devil. And the Bible says that he uh, accomplished that or finished that season, and it says that the enemy went from him, the devil left him for a season. When the enemy is told to leave you alone, he will leave you alone for a season. And then it says, like it says in the end of this chapter, he's going to come back and check and see if the door is open. So that's what I want to talk to you about today. I want to talk to you about some understanding that we need from Scripture that will help you to close the door of access that the enemy has in your life. The Bible says that, that the, the Spirit of the Lord searched for one who would uh, stand in the gap and make up the hedge. Do you know what that means? God puts a hedge of protection around your life. He puts a wall of fire around you, or a hedge of protection. And then we do things, I've done things to clip out the hedge. (laughs) I'm not a great gardener anyway, ask my wife. So we go and we do these silly things and we break down the hedge. And God looked at his people and he said there's all kinds of areas in their life where there is brokenness that is allowing the enemy access and I'm looking for one that will stand in the gap and make up the hedge. And the Bible says that he found Jesus without sin and he sent him and he went to the cross and he died for us and he became that great intercessor that sits at the right hand of God and he stands in the gap and he makes up the hedge. I'm so thankful I've lost count of the times that I've went to the Lord because I'm so imperfect, and I've said, Lord, you've got to stand in the gap, and you've got to make up the hedge. You've got to make sure that if there's an area in my life where I'm allowing access to the enemy, that you come and you stand there and you tell him, go. I'm standing in the gap, and I'm making up the hedge for Anthony. You cannot have access to him. Hallelujah. Thank you, Barbara. (laughs) I will. So the instruction that Jesus gave them in verse 22 through about verse 27 was this. A kingdom that is divided against itself cannot stand. So I want to give you what the Bible says to you and I about being divided against ourselves, We're in a culture where people are receiving Jesus into their life, but they're living their life as though he is not there. They give no regard to what the scripture says about how a man should live his life. They do not sit and let the word of the Lord come into their life or let the spirit of God come in and get mixed with the word in their life so that it begins to affect the way that they live their life. So they continually leave the door open and then they say, Lord, I can't figure out how you, you said I'd be blessed if I came to Jesus. A lot of preachers have made a big mistake because they've told people, come to Jesus and your life will get better. And I just want you to know that if you come to Jesus, you might make the devil mad. Go, go yes. Yes. You do. Go but the Holy Spirit will give you the strength to rise yes. above all that and the great intercessor Jesus will come and stand in the gap and your life will get better. Yes. Yeah, you get stronger. But... There's a season, I call it the honeymoon period. How many like the honeymoon period? You come to Jesus and the grace of God covers your life and he strengthens you and he's showing you his love. And then all of a sudden you're like, Lord, where'd you go? My Lord, things are getting tough around here. Because the enemy is coming back to find out if he has a way back in. The enemy's wanting to find out if he has a way back in. So Jesus said to them, first principle, a house divided against itself cannot stand. In the book of James, chapter 1, and verse 8, it says it this way, a double-minded man is unstable in all of his ways. Girls, when you go to date a guy, find out if he's committed to Jesus. And if he says he's committed to Jesus, but he doesn't act like he's committed to Jesus, get away from him, he's unstable. Uh In all of his ways. He will not be dependable. He will not be someone you can lean on. He will not be someone that will stand with you when things get hard. Run from him. That's just a little wisdom from the word. A double-minded person, gentlemen, same thing goes for you. You meet a young lady and she says she loves Jesus, but she's not living like she loves Jesus? Get away from her. A double-minded person, person is unstable in all their ways. The Bible says to be doers of the word and not hearers only because if we're hearers only, we are willingly deceiving ourselves. So double-mindedness is a person who is up one day and down the next, in one day and out the next, walking with God today and not sure where they're walking tomorrow. That double-mindedness has got to be dealt with in the lives, of, especially in the lives of believers, because it is in double-mindedness, it is in that instability that we open the door of access to the enemy, because one day we're up and we're doing good and we 're walking with Jesus, and the next day we 're flat on our face and we 're going, "Whoa is me, I, I, I'm just terrible, life's terrible. everything's terrible. God, why am I here? You brought me out here to die? You know that course of conversation. And it is in that course of conversation with yourself that access to the enemy is allowed in the life of the believer. Now listen, a transgressor is a whole, I mean a sinner is a whole nother thing. A person who doesn't know God, don't be surprised when they don't walk with God. They don't know him. But he said, my sheep will know my voice. And they'll not hear the voice of a stranger. That doesn't mean they don't hear the stranger talking. They're not deaf. They hear his voice. They're able to identify. That's not a voice I'm going to follow. It ain't rocket science. It's really not hard. It's really easy to figure out if something is from God or not. So if your house, if your mind is divided against itself you can't stand if your mind is divided against itself and if you are believing one moment and not believing the next you need a good dose of baptism of the Holy Ghost what you need because you can't you you see you can't walk with God on your own you won't do it in your own strength you will not walk successfully with Jesus in your own strength clearly we'll talk about that some more as uh, we get through this. But principle number one. If your house is divided against itself. If you, ha- if you haven't made a. <clears throat> I can't get off of this. Yeah, yeah. So I guess I got to stay right here. This may be the only thing we get to today. Yes, that's good. That's all right. Isn't that wonderful honey? She's like. He got to stay right there. <laughs> yeah. I must have had relatives in the Ozarks. <laughs> a house divided against itself cannot stand. It's that instruction when we read the word. And the Bible says, uh, the Bible teaches us to do a certain thing. Like, like, it's just like reading the word and praying. The word tells us as believers we're supposed to know the word. The word tells us as believers that the word in and of itself will, will dry our bones that the letter kills but the spirit gives life so we've got to take that word and we've got to mix it with the spirit in our life for it to bring have any effect in us at all people who just read the word they just become thumpers that's what i that's what i call them thumpers you guys know what thumpers are the church has been full of them for years they just come along they whack you with their bible and tell you to walk right Uh, that's thumpers Uh
1: get right or get left
0: that's a thumper well it's true get right or get left that is truth but the the letter kills but the spirit gives life so you don't want to just know this you want this to be in you so that it's and you want the spirit of God to be in you helping you to live out of this so that it has life in it I'm so glad God isn't sad and mad and boring and and irritated the God that I God is not irritated with me He's not irritated with you. I'm so tired of preachers telling people God's all irritated with them. He's not irritated with you. He loves you. But he will let you go. If you want want to live without Jesus, he'll let you walk right into hell and he won't stop you. You know why? He doesn't want a bunch of robots following him. Jesus came and died so that whosoever will may come with the full understanding in the heart of the Father that some won't. Yes. Go ahead, preach. There are some folks who just will not walk with God. He knows that. He's not going to force them. How can a loving God send people to hell? He didn't send anybody to hell. He made a hell. He opened the gate and people are walking in of their own free will. He loves you, and he's heartbroken when you do. He's heartbroken when you do. But you can't say, I'm going to walk with God and then live like God isn't in your life and not expect to have the enemy have full access to you. He has full access. A a double-minded man is unstable in all his ways. A house that is divided against itself cannot stand. All right. Verse 30. Jesus said this. The other... Next principle that we're going to draw from this. You guys going to give me a few more minutes? Yes. All right. Verse uh, 30. He that is not with me is against me. He that gathers not scatters abroad. Wherefore, I say unto you, all manner of sin and blasphemy shall be forgiven unto men, but blasphemy against the Holy Ghost shall not be forgiven. Whosoever speaks a word against the Son of Man, it shall be uh, shall be forgiven him, but whoever speaks against the Holy Ghost, it shall not be forgiven him, neither in this world nor in the world to come. Listen, this is kind of a challenging and, and a little bit unnerving passage of scripture. How many know God said a lot of things I don't really care for? But he said them, so I believe them. This is one of those things that is a little bit unnerving as a man of God because of this. This is talking to people who come and know God. This is not talking to someone who's just walking in foolishness related to the things of God. He was actually talking to church leaders at this point. The captive audience that he had right here was church was religious leaders mm-hmm. in his day. And he said, listen, you speak against the Holy Spirit, you who have understanding... You open your mouth before you think and you speak against a move of God in the earth. I'm not, that's not going to be forgiven because you had the goods. You knew what you were talking about and you messed with God. So that's a little unnerving to me that, that uh, you know makes, causes me as a pastor and as a leader to walk very carefully. And when things are going on, on the earth that I don't understand uh, or, or when, something's going, when there's something going on, people go, oh, there's a move of God over here and there's a move of God over there. I don't run after it because I want to move God here. Yeah, right. yeah. But nevertheless, I don't, I don't decide immediately, oh, that's not God or, or whatever. I wait for a discernment to rise up within me and I'm not going to give an opinion that's mine. I'm going to wait for the opinion of God. What does it have to do with staying free? It says further down here, uh, by your words you are justified and by your words you are condemned. What comes out your mouth as a believer is so vitally important to this process of staying free. The, um, verse 30, so he said, he that is not with me is against me. And he that is not gathering in reaping bearing fruit he that is not reaping the harvest he is that is not working in the kingdom is, is scattering He's, he that's not gathering is scattering. He that is not with me is against me. If the, if the words that are coming out of our mouth and the lifestyle that we are living, the choices that we are making in our life are things that are leading us away from God rather than ca- pushing us toward him, I, I don't care if you said yes to Jesus or not. If you're not with him, you're against him. Yes. Ah, that's quiet. Y'all got quiet. Shall I say that again? Do you believe it? The word said. He said, if you're not with me, you're against me. If you're not passionately rooted in the kingdom, working toward something in the kingdom, working toward the purpose of God in your life, if you're not looking at God saying, Come and, and come in me and dwell in me and, and work in me and, and work out your purpose and your plan in me and cause me to look like you and act like you and walk like you and be like you in the earth, Lord, if you're not working, Lord, come and work in me. And He said, If you're not with me, if you're not doing this, if you're not gathering, then you're scattering. Something to think about. I'll I'll just let you dwell on that for a moment. And then he said something very interesting in verse 33. This This is number three. Either make a tree good and its fruit good, or make a tree corrupt and its fruit corrupt. James chapter 3 and verse 11 is a passage. That you to, we're not going to turn there right now, but you ought to take a look at that. He starts talking about the tongue, and he says, Bitter and sweet water should not come forth out of the same fountain. Blessings and cursings should not come forth out of the same life. Out of the same well of your heart, there should not come forth blessing and cursing. If that's what's happening, we need to go back to the deliverance side of things. There, if there is in your heart as a believer, there is... Uh, the, the joy of the Lord, you know, uh, there's, there's many Christians who they get around other believers and, and oh, there's just the joy of the Lord and, and, and there's just great blessing in their life and they go home and by, and, and by the time they're out of the presence of the Lord and, and, and they're having to really walk to walk now, then there's just grumbling and complaining. Oh, I need to go back to worship because it's in worship that I feel better. Well, you know what happened? Oh, oh Lord, Holy Spirit, help me right here. Do you know, do you know where that comes from? in the life of Saul remember king Saul when he rebelled against God evil spirits came to torment his mind isn't that what the word says he was tormented you know what his advisors told him Saul there's evil spirits that are com- that are that are giving you fits they're, they're making you get outside of your good sweet personality and they're making you mean and we don't like hanging out with you when you're mean so let's get someone who can skillfully worship the Lord and we'll bring them into your presence and we want you to sit and worship okay they didn't they didn't worship the Lord and set an environment and, and bring Saul come to a place of repentance before God in any way they just soothed that ornery spirit that was tormenting him. Remember that? If you read that, go read the story of Saul. And the Bible says that they brought David in, and he brought his harp, and he began to worship, and he began to sing sweet melodies in the presence of Saul. And all of a sudden, Saul would just calm down. He'd be so sweet. But I'm going to tell you what happens. If you follow that story, this is what happened. They'd bring David in. He'd play the harp. And, and Saul would calm down, and he would worship the Lord, and in worship, Saul would be really sweet. If you find that you're really sweet in worship, and then you go home, and you're really frustrated, hello? There's been a door of access that we need to get closed. You need to be free. We need to get that door closed so that you can walk in sweetness before God and the presence of others. I didn't know I was going to say that. That's really not in my notes. But I heard the Holy Spirit say, him oh, about that one. So listen, with Saul, but what happened with Saul is that he, he kept having David come, and David kept worshiping, and Saul kept feeling better while David was there, and then David would get up and leave, and that old spirit would come back and begin to torment Saul, and he would get mean again. And so they'd call for David, we need you come and worship again in the presence of Saul. But finally, one day, Saul pushed so hard against that that he picked up his javelin, and he threw it at the worshiper, and he tried to kill him there in his own chamber. All of a sudden, it, it didn't. It didn't soothe his frustration anymore. That's what happens when we walk with God, and we only walk so far. We only get. We only, We. I, I just want the part of God that makes me feel good. Go ahead, preach. Go ahead. It is the. It is. It is the nature of our culture, to only want what makes us feel comfortable and feel good. But there is a discipline in walking with God that causes us to get into the word and get into prayer and get into the presence of God. There is a discipline that comes from God. I have, I have been saying to the Lord as I pray, oh Lord, discipline me and help me to develop disciplines in my life. The thing is, if you come to the Lord and you say, Lord, I want your disciplines, then he doesn't have to discipline you to get them. So I've learned to go to the Lord quickly and say, Lord, help me walk in the disciplines of a believer. As a disciple of Christ, help me walk in the disciplines of the word of God, in the disciplines of a relationship with you so that you're not needing to discipline me. I don't like public humiliation. I don't know about you. Joshua said it this way, when the, when the children of Israel had sinned and, and they were worshiping the golden calf and all that, Joshua just puts out the call. They're, they're dancing around the calf and, they're, and, and, and Moses said, how'd that happen? And he said, well, we threw some gold in the fire and that calf crawled out. That's what he said if you read it. It's really stupid, but, but it was hilarious. Talk about He wasn't even a good liar. Make up a story that no one would believe. We threw this gold in the fire and that calf crawled out and so we danced around it and worshipped it. And you know what Joshua said? Who's on the Lord's side? That's all he said. He said, if you're, on the, if you're on the Lord's side, if you've been here and this has made you sick, pick up a sword. That's what he said. You read it. Joshua, or Exodus chapter... Uh, no, Joshua chapter, no, 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 Exodus chapter 32, 26. It was Moses who said, who, Moses, I had it backwards. I, I got two references there, got confused. So Moses stands up, he says, who's on the Lord's side? If, if, this has, if this event has made you sick, if you see how twisted this is, and you've been sitting back while they worship this calf going, oh my God, what are they doing? Who's on the Lord's side here? Pick up a sword. And you know what he said? Run out in the camp. Take care of these folks. The Bible said 3,000 died that day. Took the sword of the Lord, took the sword in their hand, went through the camp, and brought judgment in their own house. I I don't want that kind of discipline from the Lord. So I would rather discipline myself in his presence and say, Lord, I want to be disciplined of you and I want to submit myself to the disciplines of the faith. That's why we've decided as a church we're going to be disciples and we're going to make disciples. That's why that up there, Advancing Steadily, Be a Disciple, Make a Disciple. That's why we have uh, the Timothy program available. That's why we're in the Word together. That's why we're reading the Bible through this year so we can get to the end of this year and go eat pizza together. We're, that's, that's why we're doing these kinds of things to help us be in the Word and be disciples of Christ and then go make disciples. Help someone else to be a disciple of Christ. So anyway, Jesus, or or this word, he said in in, uh, verse 33, Matthew chapter 12, make a tree good and bring forth good fruit, or make it bad and bring forth bad fruit. What Joshua said in Joshua 24 and verse 15 was, choose you this day whom you will serve. You know what the, the word is saying? Oh, man, I'm out of time. Don't take the name of the Lord in vain. That's what it's saying. It's a simple, simple truth. When my wife married me. She became Laura Holmes. If like the children of Israel, God said to them they had heart of horror, whore, if she went and found herself men, And went to running with them, then she's called herself Laura Holmes in vain. Yeah. You following that? Yeah. Yeah. You following that that strand of thought there. Th- when, the, when the Lord said, Don't take the name of the Lord your God in vain, he said, Don't call yourself a believer and then live apart from me. Yes. Yeah. Don't pray to receive Jesus and then go live like the devil. Because you're leaving a door open in your life for the enemy to come and have gainsay over you. And what you've just done is you've made your life harder. Yes. Because the way of a transgressor is hard. Yes. Hallelujah. Everyone uh, that, that's been through broken relationships because of unfaithfulness knows the brokenness of the heart of the individual who was wronged. Anyone who's been through that understands that is the heart of God when people come and say, oh, Jesus, I want to follow you, but then they don't do it. Mm -hmm. I want to walk with you, God. I want you in my life, but not today because i got a party to go to. Uh, You know. Seriously. And we just leave the door cracked open and we leave a gap in our life. So maintaining our freedom, we have to close these gaps. We have to not be a house divided. We have to not be, um, we have to not be uh, saying that we're on the Lord's side and then not being on his side, not being a participant with him. We have to make the tree good or not. Make it, you know, we, what Jesus is saying to them, make a decision here. God is saying to our generation... I'm prophesying to you now. God is saying to our generation, make a decision to walk with me. Choose you this day whom you will serve. Make a decision to be a follower of God with a whole heart. He's calling to our generation. He's calling to Ben. He's calling to young men your age in the earth and saying, come and walk with me and decide that nothing is going to keep you uh, uh, from setting your eyes and your heart upon me. Nothing is going to keep you from passionately serving me. Nothing is going to keep you from my presence. Don't let sin, don't let iniquity, don't let anything come into your life that will separate you from God. And that's the call to an entire generation. And I'm so glad to be part of that generation. I'm so glad to be part of those that are alive in the earth today during God's call to the earth. Make a decision. Come, let the tree be good and let it bear f- good fruit, or let it be evil and let it bear evil fruit. But don't call good evil and evil good. Don't call yourself a believer and then go bear uh, nasty fruit, and don't call yourself an unbeliever and then go try to bear good fruit. Make a decision. Get in here and walk with God. Yeah. What a challenge. What a challenge we've received from the Spirit of God. We'll finish this up. We'll get further into this next week. The way that... First way, that we close the door. Those of you that have received your freedom in the last few weeks, those of you that have begun to see freedom come to your life those of you that have begun to see the Lord move in new vestures and new ways in your life, you close the door. Yes. And the way that you close the door is determine I am not going to be double-minded. I'm not going to let anything persuade me from the decision I've made to walk wholeheartedly with God from this day forward. I'm not letting anything, I'm not letting anything keep me from it. I'm going to get in the presence of the Lord every day of my life. To the best of my ability, I'm going to get before God. There are people in this church who work every day, who get up at 4.30 and 5 o'clock in the morning so that they can have their time with God because they know that if they don't do it early, that by the end of the day, they're going to come home tired and weary and they're not going to have the discipline to do it. So they discipline themselves to crawl out of the sack early and get in the presence of God. God's looking for, his eye is searching the earth for people who are so hungry for him that they will not be divided in their decision to walk with him. We've decided to be the kind of people that are not divided in our decision to walk with God. Would you stand with me this morning?